welcome to Best Laid Plans. This is your host, Sarah Hart Unger, and this is the podcast where we talk all things planning and planning adjacent. Today is episode 97, and it airs in early June, so I know everyone is starting to think about summer, summer break, summer travels, and we did do our summer episode, so don't worry, this will not be a repeat of that one. But instead, we're going to delve a little bit more into planning around vacations as well as packing. This is not because I am the world's best packer. I will tell you a story that illustrates the fact that I am definitely not the world's best packer. But I have given the process some thought and can elaborate on times when I felt really well packed and what's worked, whereas times that didn't go so well, as I will discuss. But first, as always, we will open up with our planner piece segment. I have a couple of audio ones in the queue, which is super exciting. So those will be coming. And thank you for those that have sent me your submissions. But today is a written one that comes in from a listener named Catherine. So I'm going to go ahead and read hers because it's entirely digital. Yes, this is a refreshing change from so many of you who love to plan on paper, but I know we have digital planners as well who are interested in ways to make that work. So I wanted to share Catherine's version of planner piece. Catherine writes, Hi, Sarah. Thank you so much for your podcasts. I try to listen to both of them as soon as the episodes drop. I appreciate learning how other women structure their full lives with realism and positivity. I wanted to submit an entry for your planner piece segment. I mostly use digital platforms, which is different than your other listeners. It's all connected, which makes it a bit hard to explain, but I'll do my best. I use Outlook calendars, Outlook tasks, and Outlook to-dos for all of my work tasks and family coordinating. First comes the Outlook calendar. I have my work and personal calendar and my family calendar. I use reoccurring meetings for almost everything, tasks and events alike. If X filing is due May 15th every year, I have an event for when to start working on it and an event for when it is due. I also use them for the important but not urgent tasks I want to do periodically, weekly or monthly, etc. Family. On Outlook, my family calendar has all the activities each family member has and which parent is in charge if applicable. Work and personal. I put tasks directly on my Outlook calendar so they are time-bound and I can be realistic about what is feasible in a single day or week. I'm not strict about doing X task exactly when it's scheduled. Instead, I view it as about an hour in the morning to do X task. I add breaks like lunch and walk as recurring events on my calendar and move those around if needed. If I think of something little that needs to be done, I put that directly on my calendar. I use the phone app if I'm not on the computer. I put larger tasks on my task list to be evaluated in my next daily or weekly close. So the task list she is referring to that I'm going to go through is actually also in Outlook. Those of you who use it for work will notice there's a whole task section. I have noticed it myself. And by the way, this is Sarah talking as an aside, and I've never tried it. So I'm super excited to hear that she actually finds a way to use this. Okay, back to the submission. Now she's talking about Outlook email and the tasks in Outlook. She writes, I have a whole filing system for emails, but I won't bore you with those details. The main ones are the inbox, awaiting for response, which I review during my weekly close routine and to do with a subfolder for to do later. I review my inbox constantly, arguably too often. So every email is processed and then sorted into the appropriate folder or left there as read if I don't need to save it. In one sense, I always maintain inbox zero. During my daily close, I click the follow-up flag on anything in my to-do folder I didn't get to by the end of the day. 
this puts it on my tasks lists. Outlook tasks. During my daily, weekly, monthly, and quarterly close routines, I review my task pane and sort it into the general time frame I think I will be able to accomplish it. I set the categories to be May, June, Q3, Q4, etc. As I get closer, the timing gets more precise. When I am ready to put it on my actual calendar, usually during the daily or weekly close, I just drag it and drop it to the appropriate spot. Microsoft To-Do. My husband and I use this for shared lists for groceries and other stores. As we run out of something, we add it to the list and whoever does the shopping picks it up. And then she also shares a beautiful screenshot of her calendar for next week after doing her weekly close. She even notes that the Best of Both Worlds Patreon uh, session, which we hosted uh, in the last week of May, was on there, which made me super happy. I'm not sure if she's going to allow me to share a screenshot of her calendar publicly, and I totally understand why, if not. But just so you know, it's beautifully color-coded with the work personal really dominating during her work hours and then the family calendar dominating in a different color other times of the day. So I'm super interested to hear that she's able to use all of these Microsoft and Outlook products and use them together and also share them with her husband because that's also been a recent question I've been asked a lot about. And so Catherine, I really appreciate you sharing your system. It sounds incredibly functional with the key being a regular rhythm of review, which is something we've talked about a lot and apps that really, really work together very well. So thank you and keep these submissions coming. All right, before we get to our episode's main topic, I am going to answer a listener question I got via email. She writes, I am interested in your recommendations for work notebooks that are thick, professional, but not too big. I'm looking for a notebook with lots of pages, 250 plus or so, blank or grid pages, preferably smaller than eight and a half by 11, but not too small, just easy to carry in a hand and spiral or lay flat if possible. She also writes, I recently got a promotion and now want to segregate my notebook by team and person, but struggling to find the right fit. Okay, the first brand that came to me is one I'm not sure I have mentioned on this podcast or if I have, it's been a really long time since I did. And that is a brand called Miquelrius, M-I-Q-U-E-L-R-I-U-S. This is a brand of paper and notebooks that's been around for a long time and they are made in Spain. They tend to be carried at like really random specialty and stationary shops. And of course, there are ways to find them in various shops online. I fell in love with Miquelrius during college because they have these beautiful grid line notebooks divided into different sections where the grids are different colors. And they just have a really, I don't know, almost retro and modern look at the same time. But the notebook that came to my mind when you mentioned this is this big behemoth grid notebook that they make in a 300-page size. I went through their entire catalog. Apparently, they still make a little PDF catalog. It's really cute on their website, and I will link to that. And it still exists. It's in their leather 1839 line, and it has a black cover, very thin pages, which allow it to be really, really long, like 300 pages worth. So the only thing I'll say is that a few of the reviews on Amazon... Now, I'm taking these with a grain of salt because part of me doesn't know for sure if they're getting authentic Miquelrius notebooks when they're buying off of that Amazon shop. But assuming that they are, some people did complain that the paper was quite, that there was a lot of 
show through, not bleed through necessarily, but at least show through, and that because the notebook was so thick, the pages on the left in the beginning were a little bit difficult to write on. As you can imagine, you'd have to kind of shove the notebook to the left and then the pages would kind of be flailing. However, it is supposed to lie flat. I remember some of my friends in college using these and I just thought they looked super sophisticated and important, like, wow, you're filling up 300 pages of this mysterious black notebook. Um, So that might be one to look at. Or if you're interested in, you mentioned having wanting to divide your notebook up by team and person. And if you want different sections for different people or different themes, Mequelerius makes these spiral notebooks where they still have these sections of different color grid paper, as many as 10 sections in some of their versions. So that might be a fun one to look at. And they do have black covers. They can be professional looking. They come in other colors as well, but I've seen them in black. Another brand you might want to look at that's a little bit outside of the box is Nuna, N-U-U-N-A, because you did mention grid lined or blank, um, and they make this fine dot grid that's really a pleasure to write on, kind of a cottony feeling paper. Nuna notebooks are also available at some random stationery shops, like you can get them, I believe, at Jenny Bick or Jenny Bick's online shop, as well as through their own internationally run shop um, that's spelled N-U-U-N-A, and those are made in Germany. And then I've mentioned before the papier notebooks, although I'm not sure they're as big as what you want. They do have 96 sheets, which is like 192 pages, really, if you're thinking of the back in front of each sheet. But if that's not big enough for you, that may not work. However, I do think papier makes a lot of very professional looking covers and you can even customize them with your name, what they're for, which is really, really nice. All right. So... Hopefully, one of these will strike your fancy. There's also a Jet Pens Guide to Ultimate Guide to Black Notebooks, which goes through kind of the more classic brands we've heard about, like Leuchterm and Moleskin. And also, there's the Blackwing Slate, which is a 160 page dot grid notebook. So, you may want to check that video out as well for even more ideas on some great work notebooks. If you choose one of these and you like it or don't like it, please follow up. I'd love to share the follow up on the podcast. All right, we're going to take a quick break for a word from our sponsors this week, and we will be right back. You are in for a treat because support for today's episode comes in part from Jenny Kane. I love Jenny Kane, and I hope you love shopping there to support the show. When you do, visit JennyKane.com and use code PLANS for 15% off your first order. Mother's Day is just around the corner, and this is the perfect gift to treat all the well-deserving moms, moms-to-be, and mother figures in your life. Jenny Kane is a California brand through and through, and their staples make getting dressed easier than it's ever been before. Think minimalist and effortless, yet totally refined. This season, I am so into the beautiful dresses that Jenny Kane has on offer. My personal pick, and what I'm hoping to wear all season, is the Callan dress. I have it in the khaki color and feel like I could literally wear it to anything. And the best part is it's perfect for warm weather, which we have plenty of, but you could also layer it in a chilly, air-conditioned space. I also have my eye on the day dress. It's such a classic silhouette. One thing you might not know about Jenny Kane is that they also have an incredible rewards program where you can earn up to 10% back with every purchase, and joining is completely free. Find your perfect Mother's Day gift or curate your new spring uniform at JennyKane.com. Our listeners get 15% off your first order when you use code PLANS, P-L-A-N-S, at checkout. That's 15% off your first order at J-E-N-N-I-K-A-Y-N-E.com, promo code PLANS. Get yourself and the women in your life the best gift of all, Jenny Kane. Today's episode is sponsored in part by Factor. Factor is sponsoring this episode with an awesome discount code, PLANS50, 
to give you 50% off your first month and 20% off the next. Trying out our sponsors helps keep the show going, and I think this is a wonderful time to give it a try, given that it's always a busy season. Factor offers no prep and no mess meals that are tailored to your wellness goals. They offer multiple options from protein plus to plant-based to keto and many more. No matter what your health goals are, you can keep kitchen time to a minimum while enjoying healthy and delicious meals with premium ingredients with Factor. You can get started feeling great and fueling well now by giving them a try. Head to factormeals.com plans50 and use code plans50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next month. That's code plans50, P-L-A-N-S 50 at factormeals.com plans50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next month while your subscription is active. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. All right, I am back. And in the rest of today's episodes, we are going to talk all about vacation planning and packing. To me, these things go hand in hand because until you know exactly what you want to do during a given vacation, it's hard to think about what you might want to bring along. So when I am planning a vacation, and I do a lot of different types of vacations, I think I wrote a blog post recently on how I'm really into like two-night mini breaks with my husband. But then we also will do things like week-long beach trips with the kids. So there are really a lot of different vacations in my life. And the main goals of each of these vacations can be very, very different. There's certainly no correct goal for any given vacation, but I do think it's worthwhile to give that time some thought. It's probably time you've worked really, really hard to accrue um, if you're using paid time off or time that you are paying dearly for from a financial perspective. So really giving that time, the time that it's worth to think about what you'd like to use it for, I think is a worthwhile thing to do. Things you might want to do are relax. When my husband and I go away for two days, that's usually our primary goal, just to relax and connect, maybe do some long-term planning, but really just to like do a lot of resting. Maybe you want to be really active on a vacation or you have a specific hike that you'd like to do. Maybe you want to see friends or connect with friends that you're taking a trip with, or maybe you want to explore an exciting new area. One way to think about it would be, what do you want to get home feeling like you've accomplished? Like what would make this a successful trip for me? Do you want to feel rested? Do you want to feel exhilarated, have some beautiful pictures and memories? I do think going through that and thinking about what you would not want to miss out on is helpful. Something that I often really seek out in summer is at least one cool morning where I can sit outside and the air is cool since that is something we never get in Florida. So that is something I'm going to make sure I incorporate when we go up to New York or some other areas where it's possible I can have that experience. There may be a special treat experience that you want to have, like a massage or a spa treatment. So really think about any specific experiences that you want to get out of that time away. Another thing to think about is exercise. I am 100% not saying that you have to do any exercise on your vacation. If you have decided that this is going to be your 
lazy downtime and you just want to like give your body a break, I think that is completely wonderful and acceptable, but I think it's more helpful to really think about it in advance and know going in that you're taking a planned rest rather than think, eh, maybe I'll work out, maybe I won't, and kind of be disappointed in yourself if you don't move forward with your plans. So really reflect on whether you will be moving your body in any formalized way or whether you'd like to just, you know, enjoy some time outside, maybe do some casual stretching, but stay away from formalized exercise. There's also the opportunity to do exercise that really meshes with where you are, such as if you're at a resort that offers like a free yoga class in the morning, that could be something you could think about fitting in or getting in a run somewhere scenic or where the weather is very different from you where you normally get to go running in. As I mentioned, those cool mornings, I find it a treat to go running anywhere that does not have a lot of humidity and has cool temperatures, since that is not something that I get on a regular basis in South Florida. Okay, so now you've thought about your specific experience, you've thought a little bit about you know exercise, then that's when I tend to go day by day in my planner, often with sticky notes because I don't want to commit to things yet and I want to like talk to people and make plans, et cetera, but maybe go through with sticky notes or in an Apple Notes document somewhere that you can, you know, scribble and, and change it without too much stress and think about what you'd like to do and when. Are there people you want to meet up with? Is there a day that makes sense to do some sort of excursion or outing? Is there a night that you want to do a fancy dinner to celebrate a special occasion? On a recent trip I took with my husband, we decided to do one fancy dinner out on our anniversary because that felt meaningful. And so I kind of used that to plan the anchor of what we were doing and made that specific reservation. I also think it's very wise to plan in some lazy downtime. Maybe you're going with kids and you're just going to plan for the afternoons to be like rest and relax in your Airbnb. Or maybe you're going with a partner and you just want to have some nice time to spend in your room catching up on a TV series since that might not be something you can do in the rest of your regular life if your regular life is like mine. So I think it's very warranted not to try to pack your schedule entirely full with meetups and sightseeing. I think my husband would be inclined to do this but I have kind of taught him that plan relaxation can be incredibly rejuvenating and I think he enjoys it as much as I do now. So when to do all this planning, there's no right answer. Sometimes it helps to do a month or so in advance because if there's things like a spa treatment or a reservation at a special restaurant, those kinds of things can fill up or become unavailable. So it's always nice to be able to plan ahead. But at the same time, if you're planning to meet up with friends, sometimes friends aren't going to want to plan that far in advance. And so you have to do it a little bit closer to the trip. If you are traveling with kids, I think it's very important to have a loose plan for every single meal because there is nothing more frustrating than having a three-year-old that is all of a sudden hungry or hangry and not having any idea of where you might want to go to eat because many places where you travel have great opportunities for kind of some fun local meals or even just like a nice grocery store or something like that. But if you don't think about it ahead of time and you wait to the last minute, those can become some very stressful moments on trips. Trust me, I've learned from experience experience. And so I really do like to do some restaurant or meal planning in advance. TripAdvisor is my favorite for restaurant perusal. You can just type in the location, look at the restaurants, and then go to town reading the reviews and looking at menus. 
Once you have kind of your general itinerary, maybe you've had an idea of which reservations you want to make and what activities you're going to do, then I think it's time to make your packing list. I know some people will keep like a standard packing list and then adjust it. I've never felt that that really helps me, although I think I do need like an Apple Notes list of like things not to forget because I do tend to like leave one important thing behind on a lot of trips, like a phone charger or... I don't know, some very important medication (laughs) on a recent trip. So that wasn't super smart. I survived. Anyway, I don't know about making a standard packing list for every trip, maybe a don't forget list, but instead I tend to make a packing list specific to each trip. Actually, I say I tend to. I have in the past. Sometimes I'm last minute and I leave packing until the last second and I don't do much, but I have found I do better and I enjoy my vacation in a more relaxed state when I actually take time to write out what I'm going to wear each day and then use that list to pack my bag. It also then helps you remember any accessories that might go with what you're wearing like, oh, we're going on a hike and I need to bring these boots or binoculars or things like that. So I think once you have your itinerary, you can think about your planned outfits and write them down. I know there are some people that feel like that's like total overkill. But for me, I have found that when I don't do that, I tend to either underpack and end up with like one outfit for three days, or I just pack things that don't really go together. And so it's like I have enough volume on the trip, but not things that I actually want to wear in any sort of ensemble. So I personally can say, I have benefited from writing out what I'm going to wear on a given trip. And if you've never tried it, I suggest you give it a try at least once because you may find that it's something you want to do going forward. For kids, thinking about their outfits as well is a way to make sure you're not being overly redundant or you know, running out of underwear for them. And then packing at least one more outfit than you think you'll need because of course they're going to like, you know, get all wet and want to change in the middle of the day one day. And having that extra outfit on board can be a lifesaver. Other tangent of kid-related items that have been handy on almost every trip, even once you're well past the baby phase, I have found baby wipes to be extremely useful in different circumstances, especially because my kids tend to like coat themselves in ice cream when they eat it. So it's lovely to be able to just whip out a pack of baby wipes and clean them up. Sunscreen, bug spray on every single summer trip. Think about whether you need to pack like rapid COVID tests. Sadly, that can still come in handy these days. And think about your daily rituals and what you're going to want to continue on your trip and what you're going to want to take a break from because this may influence what you need to pack. Maybe you're normally a daily headspace user, but you know you're not going to do that on the trip. Maybe you don't need your earbuds. Maybe you normally, I don't know, drink from a certain water bottle and whether you want to continue that on the trip or not is something you want to think about. I don't have any right or wrong answers about these things, but I always think it's nicer to give it a quick thought and kind of move forward purposely rather than find yourself in a place and think, oh man, I wish I brought that. So finally, I'll add in a word about when you get back. I think I might have done a whole episode on this because I did come back from a vacation and was super stressed out and was like, here's what not to do. If I can find that episode, I will link to it. But I will say it is amazing if you can build in an extra day, whether that's a more flexible day at work or if you can arrive home on a Saturday so you have Sunday to kind of settle back into your routines, fix up your house, refill the fridge with groceries, etc. But if you can't, give yourself a break because, you know, from my experience, it always seems like within a week or two things are normal, but they feel like an insurmountable barrier when you first arrive. 
and then make a plan for how to resume your normal life and habits, like perhaps your workouts or your meal planning or your cleaning or whatever it is that you are trying to kind of stay consistent with. Maybe you build in a week where it's like less intense, like a week of just walking and yoga to kind of get yourself back into the habit of doing something before you jump in full swing to something bigger or more stressful and exciting. So there you have it. That is my, I don't know, best laid plans approach to travel and packing. And I have some really fun trips coming up this summer. I know this is the first summer some people have traveled in quite some time. We did do some traveling last summer, especially locally. But I hope that many of you have some really, really fun adventures planned. And if you have packing secrets or preparing secrets or reservation secrets or anything like that, please share them. I can include them in a future episode as we all learn from our travels this summer. As always, I would love it if you leave me a review. I haven't asked for that in a while, but I love seeing your reviews on Apple Podcasts and they do help other people find the show, which is wonderful. You can also always email me. You can get my contact information on my blog, theshoebox.com, T-H-E-S-H-U-B-O-X.com. Or you can email me directly at shoeboxblog, S-H-U-B-O-X-B-L-O-G at gmail.com. Or you can always send a voice memo. So with all of that, thank you so much for listening. I hope everyone is excited for a summer of fun and travel or rest and relaxation with your family. And as you're listening to this, I hope you're having the start of a wonderful week. This podcast is part of the Sound Advice FM network. Sound Advice FM, women's voices amplified.